Standing up in McKinney, this is, according to Callus, this is episode 266, and we're coming to you on the 21st of September, today's episode, What Culture? Main points, not death, not death, but life. Value of individual, not just a group. And protect the lib- protect liberty, not the state. And here we go. All right. So, it would seem to me that if you're going to have a culture, and you're going to have a dominant culture, that dominant culture is going to have to be open and agreeable to people and groups of people that don't necessarily go along with the dominant culture. And... In the West, we do that, almost to a fault. In Christianity, which was one of the major building blocks of Western culture and Western society, taught that and affirms it and actually doesn't have a problem with it, contrary to what many of us have been taught or saw in the last 50 years, Christianity is quite comfortable with the idea of divergent views, divergent mindsets, and we succeed against all of them. So nobody is calling for that. So when you create a culture of life, that means that you value life, all life, which puts you in a situation from time to time where you have to take some time to determine what is the more important thing. And it should almost always be life. When I say almost always, because I'm sure there's an exception to the rule, but just because there are exceptions to the rule doesn't mean that the rule is invalid. Now, in the case of abortion, we have heard since 1973 that, well, what about rape and incest? And the usual response was, okay, fine. We'll give you rape and incest. We don't agree with you, but we're just going to give you that right off the bat. And we're going to, and both sides agreed it's roughly two to 3% of all unwanted pregnancies are rape and incest. Now, as of late, they have come back and said, well, you know, it's probably much higher because people don't necessarily admit to being raped or they don't want to talk about incest. Okay. Well, what's that number? Is it double? Is it three times? In either case, we're well under 10%. Even if we were to be extremely generous and say it's three times as much, that's 6%. Or at the highest amount, 9%. Now, in those instances, I would imagine that if you were to then travel out of the state of Texas to go kill your baby and you came back, they're not exactly going to be lining up to stone you. They're, they're not going to be looking to waste time and effort in arresting you. In fact, places like Dallas or Austin or Houston will probably celebrate you for doing that. The state of Texas has made this illegal. You went to the next state over to do your nasty deed. But now that you're back, one would expect that if it really truly was rape or incest, that you would want to make peace with what you've done, that you maybe want counseling. You want to maybe go back to your church, assuming it's a real church and not some kind of crazy universalist church or Unitarian church. Uh, 
that you're a Christian-based faith, you're going to have to make peace with the Almighty on this. Now, I know there are other sects and other religions, and that's all fine and dandy, and I'm not going to worry about them for right now. We're talking about the preponderance of people here subscribe to some form of Christianity, and Christianity teaches that you don't kill babies in the womb, contrary to what some of those you know, crazy Methodists or um, <laughs> some other uh, group there that rejects biblical Christianity might tell you, no, we don't celebrate nor protect the murder of unborn children. That being said, we've moved past the idea that two wrongs make a right. Although when you kill your baby from rape or incest, that is your attempt to use two wrongs to make a right. But you know, logic, who wants to talk about that on the flip side, because we value life. We don't needlessly put people in prison. We don't needlessly, um, cause people to be executed. However, there are appropriate times for somebody to forfeit their life. Somebody that, oh, I don't know, creates murder or or creates, commits murder or creates other things that are detrimental to other people. They are the problem. They have a consequence. And if they are convicted, duly convicted for real, their consequence may very well be execution. There is a role for execution. The problem is capital punishment in our country, as it's currently practiced, is not being done in an appropriate fashion. It's not being done biblically or, quite frankly, ethically. When people can literally get away with murder because they can hire a better lawyer than somebody else, that's a problem. When people are being convicted for murder when they, in fact, did not convict murder, that's a problem as well. There is a thing called manslaughter, and manslaughter is not murder. But unfortunately, because of the way our system's set up, they overcharge trying to get you to plead down to a lesser charge. That's not justice. But if we value life, if we're a culture of life, we want to protect life. And that means that even people that commit crimes have a life that we want to value. We would like to rehabilitate them. That's not always possible. And there are certain crimes that occur that, quite frankly, are unpardonable. Pardonable. But the fact of the matter remains is we still value that life. That translates into when you're dealing with homeless, when you're dealing with the mentally ill, when you're dealing with other instances like that, including the aforementioned illegal aliens. Every person or every human has a value, has a life that we want to protect. And that means sometimes we have to bite the bullet and deal with it. Now in my perfect world, the culture that were there, the church would be at the forefront of that. Whether it was my church, the neighbor's church, the church down the street, whether they're Catholic, they're Protestant, Orthodox, whatever, they would be at the forefront leading to help 
people that are homeless or illegal aliens or whatever we want to call. They would be looking to help the least of these. They would value their lives and they would do that into the culture which where they're looking out for them. But instead, that's been largely vacated and we handed it off to the government. And government neither values life nor our money. So the results have been predictable. Let's transition now. We value individuals, not just a group. So as of late, it's been very convenient and very easy to see why they're doing it, right? It's convenient for them and it's easy for us to see why they're doing it when they lump people into groups and not just, hey, those are white, cisgendered, male, whatever, heterosexuals and they're the bane of all of our existence. Oh my God, they're a Christian too. No, it works in every group. Whenever you look to group people together. Now it's fine when you're wanting to build an affinity group. It's fine when you're wanting to say, well, we all agree on these things or, or we all believe this thing. So we're going to, we're going to create a larger group. But the idea is you're an inclusive group, not an exclusive group. I mean, this is something I dealt with back in high school or middle school. Who really thinks like this anymore? But we do. We all do. We all want everybody to be on our team and think the same way and, you know, carry the line. But when we value an individual, we're less concerned about what group they belong to or what group they came from. We want to value the individual. When you value the individual, you also protect their individual rights, their individual dignity. You respect them as individuals. You don't lump them in together. The idea being that, and I admit at times, I, I, I actually, when you have a stereotype, a stereotype is your mind shortcut to th- what are the odds that a person is going to believe or think a certain thing or act a certain way, Right. Stereotypes in in and of themselves are not evil or not bad. Acting out on them, assuming and acting out on what you perceive to be the likely outcome is probably not the best idea. It probably doesn't work out well for you all the time. But there's nothing wrong with thinking that. However... Because we value the individual, because we believe that each person has their own mind and has their own thought process, we want to work with the benefit of the doubt. We want to believe that this person could be the exception to the rule. This person could be the non-stereotypical person. That's a challenge. I mean, it's real easy to lump certain groups of people into thinking a certain way or acting a certain way or voting a certain way or believing a certain thing. But you're, while that might be statistically accurate more times than not, you're not doing that person, that individual, a service. You're dismissing them as an individual. We're all guilty of it to some extent or another. I have said on more than one occasion, I go into certain conversations accepting the fact that the person I'm speaking to because of what their last name is, who their parents were, or where they came from, is likely to disagree with me. They're likely to think that I'm wrong, or they're likely to assume certain things about me. But that doesn't mean that I go in and treat them poorly. It doesn't mean that I go in and talk down to them. It doesn't mean that I 
reject them as individuals, and it doesn't mean that I don't value their input, that I don't want to hear what they have to say. It does help me to perhaps articulate what I want to say a little bit differently. If I go into a conversation based upon the odds and the stereotypes, thinking, well, maybe this person is likely to think this way or believe this thing. And when I interact with them, it's probably best that I don't go full frontal on them, but maybe soften a stance or maybe I'm a little indirect when talking about something or perhaps asking an opening question to kind of gauge what the reaction is so that I can have a better, more positive conversation or interaction. I'm just suggesting that when you have a culture that values individuals over their group, that's the way people talk to each other. You know, we've had a couple of generations where we were told we don't talk about government or politics and we don't talk about religion. Well, as a result, a good number of my generation and the following generations have no idea how to talk about either. It doesn't upset me when somebody I don't know disagrees with me politically or religiously. At times, it's bothersome to have somebody in my family or somebody on my team that throws something at me out of left field. And I'm not always sure if they're messing with me, if they legitimately believe this. But I'm going to push back on them because, well, one, I either know them better or two, I expect more out of them. But if it's somebody I don't know, is it fair of me to expect anything out of them? Is it fair of me to push something on them whether they believe it or not? And I would suggest you know, you have to be gracious. You have to be friendly. You have to be open. You have to let them communicate what they think or what they believe or what they desire. That's because you got to choose to value the individual over their group. You don't assume and push that on them. You know, on Monday's episode, I talked about this idea of projection, right? People on... There are a preponderance of people that are left of center that like to presume that you're going to behave a way or act a certain way, and they say that about you. But in fact, they're more often than not projecting their thoughts or their actions on you to make you guilty of the very thing that they are guilty of. And a lot of people miss that. A lot of people get so busy being defensive, they don't take a moment to consider the fact that the person that's making that accusation is likely guilty of the very thing that they're accusing them of. Now, I'm not sure what the best reaction is, and I'm sure it changes from time to time or place to place, but to be defensive and to get upset when somebody accuses you of something that is blatantly false, they're trying to cover they're, they're trying to distract other people. So about a year or so ago, I talked about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I renamed it diversion, exclusion, and inversion. So when you're using that, right, and, and, and again, more often than not, it's people left of center that work off of this idea. They talk about diversity. They talk about inclusion. They talk about equity. And yes, I changed their order on purpose. Because when you focus on those things, 
your organization dies. Nobody, nobody really wants to be fully vested. Oh, I mean, there's some people left to center that they talk the good talk. But as we saw with the reaction from Martha's Vineyard, they really don't want that diversity. They're really not all that concerned about inclusion. Oh, well, you know, we had them here for a day and then we shipped them away. And as far as equity, do you really think anybody in Martha's Vineyard is going to give up their multi-million dollar house to help up somebody down, down the street or put them up overnight because they don't have a hotel to stay in? I think we all know the answer to that. And it's not just the left to center that are holier than that. There's a whole lot of people that are. And that's okay once you understand it. But my my three words, my acronym, if you will, for DEI, diversion. They want to divert your attention to something other than what you're focused on. That's where they come up with the wild accusations. That's where they try to put you on defense. Exclusion. They want to separate you out. They want to make you the pariah. They want to pull you away from your friends, your family. They want to make you appear to be the problem. They're excluding you. And they're essentially looking to cancel you out, right? An inversion. They're taking the very thing that you might even be talking about or the concern and they're flipping it upside down. They're abusing the situation. Is this all the time? No. Is this a common occurrence? Absolutely. They're telling you right is wrong and wrong is right. They're telling you the color blue is the color yellow. The yellow color red is the color green. Of course not. But that's what they're telling you. They tell you two plus two is five. They tell you a man can be a woman and vice versa. They tell you that, well, if you do a little, little surgery here, you can change your genetics. Well, that's clearly not the case. They tell you something about gender is just a cultural anomaly. No, there's a male and a female sex. Those get expressed in a various ways, but there's things that are certainly considered normal male behaviors and normal female behaviors. That doesn't mean that a male doesn't occasionally do female things and vice versa. There's, there's nothing there that's completely exclusionary to the other, except for giving birth to children and then feeding them with your body. Those are clearly female things that no male can do. Period. End of story. And just because I tell you something doesn't mean it's so. You have to look it up. You have to verify these things. That's what I mean by inversion. All right. Last part. We want to protect liberty, not the state. So in your culture, we're less concerned about making sure that the state is protected or revered. We don't want to have a secular religion. We don't want to worship the state. One of the things about humans is we like to have a hierarchy. We like to have a higher power. And atheists and socialists have been very good about eliminating the idea or notion that there is a God that we all answer to, that they reject that whole cloth, but they are quick to replace that God with government. There's, there's a competing nature between the two. Now you can have a government that functions 
properly under the authority of God's given roles. And then you can have a government that seeks to replace God by usurping all power and authority. And we've seen that play out time and time again, historically. I mean, just within the last 150 years, we watched it play out in France. Well, actually, I guess that's, we'll call it, well, let's go with 200 years. France, Russia, Yugoslavia, the Czech Republic slash Czechoslovakia, Poland, Hungary, Romania, Turkey, China, Vietnam, North Korea. And those are just the ones off the top of my head. And just for good measure, Russia, Russia, Russia. (laughs) But when you seek to put government as the all-powerful being that we all must bow to, you are more concerned about the state, the government, than you are about individuals or their liberty. The person that chooses to worship another God is not a threat to me. I don't feel threatened by them. They shouldn't feel threatened by me. A person that worship that I'm sorry, <laughs> that goes home and has a family with, let's call it a uh, same sex couple. There is no threat to me. I am not going to protect their behavior with state or laws, nor am I going to attack them or stone them or do anything like that because they have an individual liberty to do sinful behavior like that. Likewise, my neighbor has every legal right to go home and drink enough alcohol that he passes out each and every night. That is equally sinful behavior. And he has a liberty to do that. And I am going to protect that liberty because it's in my best interest to protect that guy's liberty. Now, so long as he doesn't get in the car and have an accident, which would be a different story altogether. But why is his behavior with that specific chosen drug any different than any other drug? Because our government has said so. The Bible's clear that you're not supposed to go get drunk. You're not supposed to alter your mind. Now, there are times where maybe you do that as part of a medical procedure or as a treatment plan, but as a general rule, you shouldn't be drunk. And if you lump every other drug under that same category, you shouldn't be high either. That's sinful behavior. But I have zero desire to go ruin somebody's life for doing sinful behavior that does not hurt somebody else. Now, we get in the ticky-tack business here if we're talking about, well, that person's married or they have children and those kids and family, wife or spouse, are they're being affected by their bad behavior as well. Well, yeah, you know what? But that's still a family matter. The family should be sorting that out. And you know what? If the family isn't going to sort it out, perhaps the extended family ought to sort it out. And you know what? If the extended family doesn't sort it out, perhaps the, oh, I don't know, church, temple, whatever, gets involved and says... Hey, uh, you need to knock this off. You can't come home and get blitzed at night. You can't abuse your wife or children. That's all bad behavior that is deeply frowned upon. But that's the culture that you would build up if you taught individual responsibility to go along with that individual liberty. But you can't have individual responsibility until you have individual liberty. Because there's nothing to be responsible for. 
if government is be all and end all, I'm not responsible for anything. I'm just a <laughs> farm animal to be raised and used to the betterment of the farm owner, which in this case would be the government in this analogy. These are not things that we aspire to. Individual liberties, when they are protected, bring about more individual responsibilities, particularly if you don't reward people for bad behavior, which the state often does because it works in the state's benefit. But when we take away the protections of the state, when you make the state responsible for very few things, when you make the state far less powerful when you make the state far less involved in your day-to-day life and the state only comes in basically to arbitrate between arguments to solve crimes which okay or maybe build the roads right got to have those roads there's very limited and defined uses and powers for a government we the people have given them, we've delegated that authority or that responsibility to them, and we take care of the other things. But we can't do that if we don't have the individual liberties protected. If we don't realize the importance of it, we end up as serfs. We end up as cattle. Nobody wants that. The state is not our God. If you want the state to be your God, perhaps you ought to check out North Korea. That's about as close as you're going to get to it right now. Well, I've gone about 25 minutes. I really don't have anything more to add to this for today. I would just say I've been remiss in the last two episodes. I didn't tell you. If you like this show, please remember, like it, share it, subscribe, put your comments in there. Hey, you know, I'm more than willing to pick up and do a show related to something that you send in. But... This is a Wednesday. We're talking about the culture. This was episode 266. And until next time, I will see you on the other side.